10,000. The U.S. Border Patrol reporting that that many tried to cross into the country illegally every day last week. Many crossed the Rio Grande River after the end of Title 42, hoping against hope, some praying to cross their River Jordan. Title 42 began at the height of the pandemic. Anyone crossing the U.S.-Mexico border would be deported in order to prevent spread of the virus. New asylum laws have not been enacted as Title 42 came to an end last week. People pausing, then trying to cross into what they hoped would be their promised land. Think I'm taking a political stand? Think again. I'm using this real-life happening to point to a better way. No one lives in a land of milk and honey. There's only one way to cross our River Jordan, not the Rio Grande. The only safe passage is realizing to reach the other side means finding Christ on his cross. Welcome to Haven Today. Can you believe it? It's Monday. And I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're starting a new series today called The Living Lord. It may come as a surprise to some, but more is written in the Bible about the final 40 days of Jesus on earth than about his first 30 years. The period from his resurrection from the dead to his ascension into heaven. It's a most important period of time. This week, I want us to look at this period of time after Easter and before his ascension as our living Lord. We've looked at his second appearance many times before, but there's always more to learn to take in from that first Easter day. It comes after he appeared to Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb and before his appearance to the 11 apostles later that night. What am I talking about? Well, it strikes to the very core of this ministry and our calling as Christians. And when we think about it in Luke 24, in just a few minutes, I believe it will inspire your living hope in Jesus. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the life of Christ and talking about the Chosen TV series. We've received a couple of notes from people who are concerned that this show is not biblical, or even worse, that it's a front for false teaching. Well, I'd like to chat about that for a bit with our executive producer. He not only works for our ministry, but he's also a pastor as well as a filmmaker. Troy, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Charles. It's good to be here. I wanted us to talk about this a little bit because you and your family, your wife, your two boys, your daughter, you've watched The Chosen. What was your take on it, watching all of those many episodes yeah, like many, we discovered The Chosen in the midst of the pandemic, and as you're looking for things to watch with your family that are quality and have substance, uh, we saw that there's this TV show about Jesus and really about the followers of Jesus and, and who they were and what maybe they were like. Um, I, I, and I think an aspect that we really enjoyed in that first and then that second season that came out during the pandemic was you know, investigating a little bit of what Peter was like as a fisherman and, you know, what was his relationship with his wife and with his brother Andrew. And uh, and it kind of in some ways really fleshed it out in some ways that was more like, um, I guess, listening to a sermon. You know, Charles, a lot of times pastors will not just get up there and read the Bible, but they'll actually say, hey, this is a bit of the the culture of the time. This is uh, what the language means. This is the context that they were in. And so as my family and I were watching, it really kind of helped it helps really flesh out what it may have looked like um, back there in the first century. Troy, we've had just a handful of emails from listeners who felt like 
you can't do this with taking the scriptures, the gospels, uh, that you're becoming heretical. Did you ever feel like in watching this that this series is heretical? No, Charles. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that goes to your conversations as well as mine as a producer listening to you and Dallas talking that, you know, Dallas's heart is to root this in the scriptures, but he's very much on record saying this is not the Bible. You know, I want to present things that are plausible and possible for the characters, um, but his goal is really to encourage people to go back to the Bible and and read the story for themselves and see it. And so Dallas has his team of writers. They're all evangelical Christians. Everything that is in the Bible that is in the show is almost word for word. And that part is actually really exciting to see because, you know, even my kids will open up the Bibles and be like, hey, look, this is exactly what Jesus said, or this is what Peter said, or this is what Matthew wrote. And so that part is kind of exciting. And we've heard that from from many other people. But I, I think there are a lot of websites out there now that get a lot of people to come to their website because controversy sells in some ways. But the reality is that, you know, Dallas is, you know, a professing Bible-believing Christian who really wants to encourage people uh, to know Christ by faith alone and, and know that only Jesus uh, can provide the salvation that we need from our sins. And he found the gospel through his father used to work at Moody Press and certainly is a born-again Christian and wrote the Left Behind series of books. Troy Lambert, thank you for joining me on the program. Now, after the program, I want to give you an opportunity to support our ministry. And when you make at least a minimum gift, I want to send you The Chosen Seasons 1 through 3 on DVD as our thank you for your support. I think not only will this series be a great way to remind yourself of the story of Jesus, but it's also a great way to introduce someone else to Christ's story for the first time. So, come to our website after the program. Watch some of the excerpts from the series. Listen to the interviews that I've done with the show's creator, Dallas Jenkins. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. 865 Haven. And if you just want to get the new season three on DVD, we have that for your gift as well. And now let's open the program. The song that I think we all need to encourage us today by Phil Wickham. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless And bear my 
Haven Today series that we're launching on this Monday called The Living Lord. I'm Charles Morris. Now, you may have guessed from what I said a few minutes ago when we opened that I want us to consider again the Emmaus Road. It was nothing more than a village, and we aren't totally sure of its location today. Three current towns could have been the original Emmaus, halfway between Jerusalem and what has now been Gurion Airport, just east of modern Tel Aviv. But what you can still find and walk on is the Emmaus Road. You may not have stood on that road like I have, but we can go there with our imaginations. Two of Christ's followers were on their way home, seven miles northwest of the Holy City. Luke 24 indicates this is the village where they lived. They had probably waited for the passing of the Sabbath to travel. And now, on the very first day of the week, they were headed home. The name of one of the travelers is Cleopas. The other is unnamed. There is no need for us to know the name of the other follower. After all, most of the followers of Jesus have been and are unknown to most of the world. But they are known to God. One scholar says the reason this disciple was not named was because they typified so many of us. He said if we would look this person in the face, we would see ourselves. Each of us has walked to Emmaus Road. We have walked away, maybe from the presence of God. We have looked at a dark sky and thought it would never turn bright again. And because of that, this place is for us all. These two disciples were traveling in dejection and disillusionment. There was no reason to stay longer in Jerusalem, they thought. After all, had they not seen Jesus die? I want you to look with me at four conditions these disciples faced, as we do oftentimes. First, their eyes were blinded. Luke 24, verse 14. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. 
but they were kept from recognizing them. Now they thought they had seen Jesus clearly, but now after his death, they weren't so sure. They couldn't see, much less think clearly. We know what was on their minds. They were discussing what had happened the few days prior, and no doubt the past three and a half years. While they were walking and talking together, they came upon Jesus, who joined them on their road heading home. But we are told they were kept from recognizing him. And as you read the end of the Gospels, this seems to be a common occurrence. Jesus was not at first recognized. Mary Magdalene thought he was the gardener there by the wine press and the empty tomb. And here on the road to Emmaus, these two disciples, familiar as they were with Jesus, did not recognize him. It was not because the sun was in their eyes or because of the tears in their eyes. In Mark's account, it plainly says that he appeared in another form. Jesus was now in a post-resurrection body that was not the same as before. It was a glorified body that could suddenly appear and disappear and even travel through locked doors, but he could still be recognized. To me, this hints that we will know each other in our glorified heavenly state as Christians. But on that day, on that road, these two disciples with their blinded eyes mistook Jesus for a stranger. Even as the King James Version tells us, they asked, Are you a stranger? So their eyes were blinded. But then there is a second condition with these Emmaus disciples, their blasted hopes. The unrecognized Jesus approached them, walked with them, and asked them, What are you talking about? Cleopas answered him with a question in verse 28 of Luke 24. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus asked them, What things? Well, of course he knew, but they needed to express their deep feelings, to pour out their hearts. And so they began to tell him about this prophet, mighty in word and deed, who had been arrested, unjustly condemned, unduly crucified, and then was buried. Their leader, their rabbi, was dead and their hope had perished with him, or so they thought. They told him in verse 21, we had hoped that he was the one, the Messiah, who was going to redeem Israel. Their idea, though, of saving, of redemption was flawed. They hoped the earthly kingdom would be restored to Israel, that the shackles of Rome's tyranny would be broken. Hopefully, their faith included that they personally would be redeemed and saved. Their love had not perished, but their hope had gone missing. Their hope had been crushed, and now they were walking in doubt and fear. To have your trust broken is always a hard, heart-rending experience. This one had been their friend. They had given up everything else and followed him and trusted him, and now the object of their hope and faith was dead. Their hopes were blasted. But there's a third condition with these two disciples. That condition takes a turn and it's a turn for the better. They're burning hearts. From this moment in this second appearance of the living Lord, the focus of their attention, as well as ours today, can turn to him. He would lead these two out of the condition of blinded eyes and blasted hopes. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. What a special turn to the day. He understood their sorrow as he drew near to them, 
His opening words grab their attention. He addresses them as foolish ones, literally senseless ones, and he begins to deal with their slowness, their dullness. These two disciples had lived their entire lives in light of the Scriptures. They were faithful Jews, but they had not fully understood the Scriptures they had learned since childhood. He said, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Then he opened their eyes to see the Scriptures as they applied to himself, the Messiah, the Anointed One sent by their Father in heaven. Here was a man they thought in their dulled state was a stranger, interpreting to them the Scriptures they thought they knew, but the deeper, truer meaning of which they had never comprehended. He asked them, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How I wish I could have been there on that day, on that road, hearing this message from my Lord. But their Bible study with Jesus was interrupted. They reached Emmaus. They strongly urged him, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. And the scene changes again. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke that bread. He gave the bread to them after blessing it. And now we reach the highlight of the passage. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They knew the stranger was the risen Lord. And then suddenly... He disappeared from their sight. Once they realized that Jesus was no longer with them, that he was gone, they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What a heartwarming spiritual experience of the highest order that we all need today. They had now gone from blinded eyes and blasted hopes to burning hearts. Their love was now a living fire. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine.
Alive, Brother in Christ, Steve Green, outside Nashville, sharing with us from his hymns album, that great hymn, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. Blinded eyes, blasted hopes, burning hearts. But there is a fourth condition that I will explain with one more word that starts with a B, broadcasting their faith. I'm not speaking of a radio program broadcast over the airwaves. I'm talking about the broader meaning of broadcast by these two disciples. They left their meal uneaten, although blessed. They hurried back to Jerusalem. I can just see them jumping up and quickly making their way back to the upper room to share this great news with the other disciples and the apostles. When we personally discover the living Christ, we can't remain still or quiet. Our spiritual vision becomes clear. Our hope is revived. Our hearts are warmed and our tongues are loosed. Acts 4.20, we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. When you and I discover Jesus is truly alive, then our hearts are warmed. Living for Christ becomes our joy. Worship ceases to be a chore. Sharing our faith grows easy. Now, just a few more thoughts relating to this great story all about Jesus. First, Christ appears to us according to our need, not according to our position. He first appeared to a woman who had been demon-possessed but delivered by him, Mary Magdalene was honored when she was the first to see the risen Lord. And now these two disciples, one even unnamed, have their hope restored as they see the risen Lord. Two, we can see Jesus today in all the scriptures. We can read with new eyes what he said and did. He comes alive as we meet him at God's word. Three, when Christ is discovered, there is work to be done, service to be performed, not out of duty, but out of calling. When our sunset road turns to dawn, when our hope is restored and our hearts burn within us, we can be quick to share what we have found. The Christian message becomes more ours when we share it with others. To share is to fan the flame even more. Today, may I invite you, as I'm inviting myself, when our eyes are blinded and our hopes are blasted, to meet the living Lord. Only He will warm and soften our cold, hard-hearted hearts, and he will forgive us as we trust in our risen Savior and Lord. Haven today, the living Lord. Well, as I already said earlier on the program, I know there have been a few that have shared with us some concerns about the Chosen TV series. I get it. The gospel narrative and the true story of Jesus needs to be protected. And that's why I was so encouraged to hear Dallas tell me directly that he and his team are committed to telling the biblical story of Christ from their evangelical Christian perspective. They want to stay faithful to the text while helping us better understand the context of the first century. In many ways, it's a little like someone preaching a sermon out of the Gospels, studying the context, customs, language of the day. Well, that's exactly what Dallas and his Christian writing team are seeking to do. I believe this series will be encouraging to you, and it will also be an evangelistic tool for those who you want to share the story of Jesus with. So for your generosity, your support of this listener-supported ministry, I want to send you all three seasons of The Chosen on DVD. 
Just go to our website right now. Watch some of the clips from The Chosen. Take a look at the video I shot with Dallas in Texas. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Or give us a call right now at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And if you just want to get the new Season 3 on DVD, we have that for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story, the story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The verse reminding us Christ's love is the foundation of our faith. It's because of his love that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. It's a love that we cannot earn nor deserve, but is freely given to us. When we truly grasp the depth of God's love for us, it changes everything. It fills us with hope and joy and gives us the strength to face life's challenges. Never forget the incredible love that God has for us. It will inspire us to love others in the same way. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.